Hello everybody, FPL teacher here, giving a quick review over Southampton 1, West Ham 1, before the deadline tomorrow. In this episode, we will quickly go through how to take advantage of Southampton's current woes in attack as well as defence, while considering decent West Ham looking assets beyond Jared Bowen, looking at their current setup, seeing who can take advantage of West Ham's flexibility between 4-2-3-1 and 3-5-2. Southampton, talking about formations and players as well as their individual qualities seems like a foregone conclusion now because there is no reliability going from game to game. Fielding the two Armstrong brothers last game week, now they only keep one with Adam Armstrong going back to his usual left-sided role while El Yunusi was brought into the fray as their default plan A surfaced compared to their 4-0 loss against Man City last game week. So, the idea here is that we don't really go into their formation setup because we already know how they behave. Well, do we? <laughs> so, the thing about Southampton, especially at home, is that they attempt to implement their slightly more modern pressing philosophy, attempting to morph into a 4-2-2-2, the usual stuff that, we, that is associated with the narrative. But more importantly here, the speed which they implement these pressing schemes are rather disorganized in the sense that you have three sections of Southampton applying the press. There is phase one where their three forwards, Aribo, Adams and Armstrong, press on to whatever centre-backs they can target. So in this particular case, their setup was slightly unusual because I suspect they did not expect West Ham to play a back three. So West Ham immediately set up with three central defenders and it was perfect for Southampton's three forwards to match up to them. So the question came down to whether their midfield three, in theory, outnumbering West Ham's midfield two, could press them down. Now, in actual fact here, Ainsley Mellanaus and James Ward-Prowse did not push all the way up to Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. So really, if Southampton's front three could win the ball of West Ham's front three, they would create a lot of chances. Adams shot in the 8th minute, Perot's goal, all stemmed from the fact that West Ham's, front, uh, West Ham's back three were pressured and this created a whole lot of space in midfield for an aggressive, proactive player to take advantage of the ball. So, in terms of general patterns of play, off the ball we've mentioned everything, but on the ball, Southampton were extremely disappointing. There was barely any link-up play between the players because of this counter-pressing scheme and a lot of their shots just came from simple balls over the top. Just trying to take advantage of second balls as well as Southampton's aggressive approach and they were rather direct. Furthermore, after the 31st minute, it was pretty much all West Ham. So, in terms of FPL, this is a good thing for us, really. Um, as whether you play Southampton away or at home, you are primed for returns, which I will talk about in the West Ham section later. For now, at least we know that, as mentioned in the FPL report card series over the international break, Southampton brings the best out of players that change position. West Ham. This time round, sporting the once-in-a-while formation of 3-4-3. 
partly enforced due to the injuries to Kurt Zuma and Craig Dawson once again. So without any real recognized centre-back, Aaron Cresswell played outside centre-back with Ben Johnson who stood in, while Thilo Kerr now stood in the heart of defence. Now this meant that on the wings we had Sufal and Elmerson Palmieri sort of becoming lightweight wing-backs but not really behaving like wing-backs because they just permanently stood on the flanks and decided where they wanted to defend. Instead, the bulk of defending that West Ham did were done by Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek for at least the majority of the first half. Now, we're going to skip past the irrelevant bits and talk about when they started to assert possession because the opening hour, really, constituted of Southampton lumping the ball forward, West Ham winging back, Southampton attending the winging back, and then West Ham would bomb forward themselves through a long ball. Now, after this back-and-forth so-called head tennis exchange, West Ham started to find outlets where they would engineer space. Surprise, surprise, the players that find the most space are the ones that are most technical, and it was Lucas Paqueta who actually became extremely instrumental, initially dropping deep, obviously, facing a lot of pressure by Southampton players. Then he did something completely interesting that we did not expect. He played centre forward. Paqueta essentially became a leader from the front where he took up really high positions occupying centre-backs and this allowed West Ham's front two to drop deeper to find Paqueta. Skamaka drifted to the left, Bowen obviously remained on the right side and a lot of West Ham's long balls saw link-up play between Emerson as well as Kamaka on the left, while Sufal had a lot of time to find Paqueta or Bowen on the right side. Now, this sort of pattern of play, obviously due to the ball qualities, on-the-ball qualities of Emerson and Sufal, were extremely limited. So, obviously with Emerson, his first choice of play was to create short passes and it was Kamaka that constantly found Paqueta. If not, Skamaka, of course, will link up with Paqueta and create shots for himself. So that goes without saying. And honestly, a lot of people have mentioned already that Skamaka had like, what, six shots in the box. But once again, this was all through Southampton traffic. Now, more importantly was the positions that Lucas Paqueta took up because whenever Skamaka had the ball on the left, you could see that Paqueta did not choose to square up against one of Southampton's aggressive centre-backs. Instead, he peeled off to the far post, allowing Bowen to stay in the middle while Paqueta operated on the right half space. So, whether you foresee that working in FPL, at least you can know that Paqueta had shots in the 38th, 42nd, 47th minute, 48th minute, 51st and 56th. And really, it was just about Paqueta pulling strings from deep midfield, eventually linking up with the players in front of him. The bottom line here is that the point earned by both sides neither favoured Southampton nor West Ham. In this October-November period, mid-table to lower half sides tend to maintain status quo, putting their best foot forward as well as their best plan A, and it looks like West Ham has the better plan A, with the front two of Skamaka and Paqueta doing bits. As for Southampton, we're just trying to take advantage of the huge hole in midfield that they're trying to cover up, that they're trying to paper over, 
And with Southampton, uh, sorry, with Bournemouth, Arsenal and Palace up next, the best players in position take advantage are Philip Billing, Martin Odegaard and Eberi Eze. This is FPL Teacher speaking, finishing off the reviews with the marquee match of the game week.